All right, so as usual, I kind of changed up a little bit what I'm, what I'm talking about today. Because uh, the last few days, I've just really been chewing on something. I feel like God dropped it in my spirit when I had a long car ride Tuesday of this week. And I was just really thinking and had some worship plan and meditating. And I was listening to some, some different things, some TED Talks and some preaching and just some worship music and stuff. And God started speaking to me about something that we're going to talk about today. And so... Uh, yeah. So today I want to talk to you about what you were thinking. I want to talk to you about what you were thinking. Like, have you ever asked yourself that question? What was I thinking? Look back at something you did or something you said or a decision you made in your life or right, uh, a time you said, I do. What, I don't know what it was for you. But have you ever had that thought or that moment, or maybe you've even said it out loud, what was I thinking? So today I'm going to tell you what you were thinking. <laughs> it ain't good. <laughs> like, in a moment of clarity or rational thinking or however you want to say it, like, in those moments... You can look at a decision you made and you can say, oh, well, here's why I made that decision. Or like I had time to think about it or, you know, I had time to pray about it or seek wise counsel or in my life, I know there's, there are all kinds of decisions and life is made up of choices. And there are a lot of choices that I can look at and tell you, yeah, I'm okay with that choice. I'm even okay with the consequences of those choices because I know it was the right choice. But see, some things hit you in life. I think more things hit you that you didn't expect or you didn't see coming or, you know, you make more choices off of a reaction then you get to you know think about it and pray about it and seek wise counsel and so I want to talk about your reaction they say hindsight is 2020 every time when you say what was I thinking you're looking back and saying oh it's very obvious to me and everyone else that was a stupid decision or you can look back and say, oh, that was a good decision. Hindsight, looking back after it's already happened. You ever thought of an awesome comeback or something you wanted to say to somebody about an hour after it happened? Yeah, I should have said that. I haven't. I always think of it right in the moment. Usually the answer to the question, what was I thinking, is you weren't. You were reacting to something that was said to you, to something that was going on to you, to some pain, to some circumstance. Like Usually the answer to that question, when you say, what was I thinking, the answer to that question is you weren't. You were just reacting. So that led me down this road of, can we control the way we react? 
Like as Christians and as Jesus followers and as we study the scripture, like can we control the way we react or it is what it is? As Sky's been saying lately, it is what it is. He says it with this real annoying voice. Where is he? Oh, there he is. (laughs) Or can we control our reactions? Because if a lot of our life is made up of these choices and a lot of those choices are really reactions, we don't have time to think about it, then I got to believe there's a way that we can control our reaction no matter what happens to us. How do some people have good and positive, even heroic reactions most of the time and others seem to have bad or negative or cowardice reactions? You think about it and as I started processing this and and thinking about different people that I know, I know some people that react well almost every time something happens. Even in a reaction, something hits them out of nowhere and they do the right thing. And then I know some people that almost every time they react wrong. They react negatively. They run away. See, life is a series of choices. Thousands and thousands of choices in our lives are defined by the choices that we make. The choices we are aware of are what psychologists call conscious choices. See, those are the ones that we got to think about. Those are the ones that, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? Let me talk to my dad or my mom or let me, let me seek wise counsel from my pastor. These, these are the conscious choices. These are the ones that we are aware of. But we make an endless number of unconscious choices every single day. That's what the psychologists tell us. That unconsciously you're making choices all day long that you don't think about. It's habits, it's patterns, it's, it's your reaction to when somebody walks up and slaps you in the face. We make an endless number of unconscious choices every day. When we act, it's a response to a conscious choice. But when we react, it's a response to an unconscious choice. So, I heard this guy and the way he was explaining it was, he was telling a story and you've probably all got a story similar to this or you've probably all been around or I know you've at least heard stories like this. But the guy that I heard telling the story was talking about how they were over at a friend's house and they were hanging out around by the pool, sitting in lounge chairs and just hanging out, having a good time and talking. And that one of the moms there, her little boy made it over to the swimming pool and he couldn't swim, little baby. And he fell in the pool and was drowning. And so this guy that was telling the story, he was just a friend of the family. It wasn't his kid that fell in the pool, but he's a good guy and he loves kids and you know, he's a Christian and all these great things. It feels like he makes great choices and stuff. And he said, so in his mind, 
His, his mind was telling him, how do you react? There's a little boy drowning. Jump up, run, dive in the pool, save the kid. Right? And he said that before he could even get out of his chair, the kid's mom had already jumped up, ran across the thing, dove in the pool, grabbed the kid, and she was pulling the kid out before he even got out of his chair. And he said he was blown away because he couldn't figure out how in the world did that woman, but she wasn't like an Olympic athlete or something. And this guy that was telling the story, he says, yeah, I play basketball, I work out, I stay in shape, I feel like I'm in pretty good shape. I don't, I don't know how it's even possible that she could have reacted so much faster than me that she saved the kid before I even got my butt out of the chair. Like, how is that even possible? How her reaction was the right reaction and it went quickly much faster than he could if I'm acting or making a conscious choice I can usually make the right choice I don't know about you but in my old and mature age if I've got time to think about it and pray about it and weigh my options and decide, you know, what's this going to cost me? Count the cost and all the things. And, and I can usually make a wise choice. Took me a minute to get there. That's not what I'm worried about. And I'm pretty sure you would say the same thing. If you have long enough to think about it, you could probably make the right choice. But how do I work on my reaction? even my reaction time like that mom she saved the kid before dude even got out of the chair like how do I work on that so I don't have a whole bunch of those what was I thinking moments I don't want to fast forward 10 years from now and look back and say man I had a lot of what was I thinking moments that's not maturity that's not spiritual growth that's not looking like Jesus How did that mom save the kid so fast? First, I'm going to read you a little story. Matthew 8. Matthew 8, 18. Now, when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side to social distance. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And listen to this part. Because I don't know y'all listen to all that. Listen to this part. And another of his disciples, so wait, this guy's a disciple that asked this question we're about to read. A disciple, a disciplined one, a follower of Jesus, a disciple. Another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first, first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. 
And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. So, like we've read this story and it's recorded in different ones of the Gospels, so it's a little different each one. But this, this was a disciple. Jesus calls him a disciple. Matthew calls him a disciple. And so we know he loved Jesus. He was a Jesus follower. And when we've read this story before, if you're like me, you've probably read it and said, that's kind of harsh, Jesus. He wanted to go to his dad's funeral. He said, let me go bury my dad, and then I'll follow you. And Jesus is like, nah, you want to follow me. First, you follow me. And if you look into that and, and do just a little bit of digging there, you see that in their culture like, and, and how things were set up, most of the scholars would tell you that his dad probably wasn't dead. So what he was saying is, let me go back home to my father because if I leave my father and my family business and all that, then I forfeit my birthright and my inheritance and my things and my stuff and my money that I'm going to inherit when my father dies. So I hear the call from you, God, and I hear that you want me to step into ministry and you want me to follow you, Jesus, but wait till I'm done with my career and I'm set up financially and then I'll come follow you. Is that good? And Jesus said, no. First you follow me and then all that other stuff will fall into place. But see, this dude didn't want, no, he, he was like, well, I need to go back because then if I leave and follow you, I won't have an inheritance and my dad's going to disown me. And, and I don't know if he, maybe he had a younger brother that would then receive the, the birthright or the inheritance and all this stuff going through his mind. Jesus said, no, that's not how it works. You got to come follow me. And then Jesus got in the boat and his disciples followed him. And this dude went away. And we've seen several stories throughout the Gospels where this happened. Jesus said, remember to the other guy that Jesus called, Jesus said, come and follow me. And it was the only other time Jesus said that except for to the disciples. So that tells us this guy was like a disciple too, the rich young ruler, remember. And Jesus said, come and follow me, just like he did to the disciples first. And go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And he was like, I can't do that. No. If you see what I'm getting at is Jesus and ultimately God says, put me first. I don't care if you have stuff. I don't care if you have a family and a career and a life. In fact, I want you to. But put me first. You've got to put me ahead of all that stuff. And so many times and in these Bible stories and so many times in our lives, we say, but God, I want you in my life and I want to be in ministry and I want to change the world. But I, but first, let me go bury my father. But, but first, let me set up my career. But first, I need to do this. But first, and so what's your but first? What is the thing on the list that you put before God? What is the thing that you seek before you seek the kingdom when you wake up? But first, but first, I need to do this, and, and first, I need to do that. He said, No, put me first. Matthew 6 33 says, But seek ye first, this is Jesus. The kingdom of God 
and His righteousness. And all these things, they'll be added unto you. So to give a little bit of context, what they were talking about there was Jesus was saying, don't worry about food and clothes and drink. This is where Jesus was talking to the disciples saying, don't, don't worry about stuff. Seek first the kingdom and all these other things. They'll be added to you. You can't keep getting worried about all this stuff. Seek first the kingdom. Matthew 22. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? This guy came to Jesus and he's asking, what's, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first. Jesus is saying this is the first. This is the most important one. Like get this right and everything else will work out. Noticing a common theme here. First. Put me first. Get in proper alignment. This is the first. And great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said, love God and love people. And that's it. Everything else will fall in line. There's a term called creative affinity. And it means you become increasingly more like that which you love the most. You become increasingly more like that which you love the most. So, and then they explain it. There's, there's all different examples of it. But you know, you like you've seen old people that look like their dog. That's why. Or like you've seen a married couple that's been married for forty or fifty years, and they look almost like brother and sister. Because you become more and more like what you love the most. So some of y'all that have been married for a long time and y'all still look opposite. (laughs) Sorry to shine a light on that. That's why the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because if He's what you love the most and He's what you put first... And he's who you give your first money to. And he's who you give your first bit of time to. And he's who you're, he's first on your list. Then the older you get, the more you look like him. In the natural and more importantly, in the spirit. You carry more weight. You pray more powerful prayers. You can, when Jesus said the things that I do, shall you do and greater works than these. There's only one way that's going to work. That's from you day after day. Putting him first. And you become more and more like the thing that you love the most. Revelation. Revelation 2. Verse 4. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. And he starts out in this chapter saying like some pretty good things 
He's telling them, you've labored and you've not fainted and you've done some, some pretty good works. You've done some cool things. And then in verse 4 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. He said, yeah, you've done all these great things, but hey, church, you've left your first love. You've lost the passion. You lost the excitement, the awe, that childlike wonder that you once had when your love for God was first. Your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Hey, remember how it used to be when you were excited and passionate to serve God and and to give, and where can I give, and I want to give more time and money, and and I want to be more involved, and yeah, I'll volunteer over there, and I'll help over here, and I want to see the world become a better place, and what's my part, and what's my role, that, that excitement. He said, remember from whence you have fallen. Remember how it used to be. Remember when you realized the price that I paid and, and you made it personal. You realized that, that Jesus died on the cross for you. You just wanted to tell everybody, remember from whence you have fallen and repent. Let's change directions. It means go back to your first love. You can go back. It's proper alignment. It's putting Him first. And do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly. Will remove thy candlestick out of its place. Except thou repent. Except thou change. Go back to your first love. Or what? Want to remove your candle. Your light's going to go out you're not in proper alignment he's saying go back to your first love this is the only thing I have against you in Deuteronomy 6 he's telling the children of Israel um, it's where it says have no other gods before me remember it's one of the commandments have no other gods before me or in front of me above me God said just put me first what he wanted his people to know like put me first and everything else will work out but first can I go bury my father no Jesus said put me first don't lose your awe Don't lose your hunger. Don't lose the first love, the passion. Seek ye first the kingdom, and all these other things will be added unto you. I, uh, Tuesday I went and I had to drive far to get a new awesome boar hog Um, and he's big he's probably I would estimate about 600 pounds 
but he's like much taller and longer than the old one we had. He's a full-blooded Duroc, and he's, I mean, this thing, like he's a beast. He probably stands that tall, no exaggeration. And from nose to the rear end, it's at least six feet or longer. I mean, he's big, scary looking. Got these big tusks. His name's Beast. All right. <laughs> so I'm on the way back with him, and I'm driving, and when I'm, I'm thinking about this message and stuff, and it's late because I had to drive almost to Savannah to get him. So I'm coming back, and it's dark, it's late, and I needed gas. And so I stopped somewhere around Atlanta, and I'm pumping gas. And this Escalade with blacked-out windows pulls up at the gas pump over from me. And the guy gets out and goes in. And then the passenger side window starts rolling down. And I'm standing there pumping gas. And I look over. And I see a lady in the passenger seat. And she grabs her little boy out of the back. This kid was so cute and so, like, excited. And she's holding him up to the window, and he's looking at what I have in the trailer. And he's just freaking out. He wants to go see it. I want to pet it. I want to touch him. Can I go see him? And the kid's just full of passion and excitement. And he wants to go after it. Go touch it. And, and the lady's like, she looks over at me, like, like, for permission. Like, is it okay for my kid to go see your hog? And so I smiled and nodded and said, yeah. So she opens the door and boom, here comes the kid just running across the parking lot. She closed the door back. Dang. Kid comes running over. And then as he's running across the parking lot, I'm thinking, man, I don't even know this hog. This kid runs over, sticks his arm in there and gets bit. So I let go of the gas pump and run over. And I'm like, hey, man. And he's like, can I touch him? I want to see him. And so I'm like, all right, come around to this side. And I bring him around the side of the trailer. And I let the little kid touch him. And he's just so happy and excited. And he said, hey, piggy, piggy. So I let the kid see him. He's super happy. Bring him back around. And he runs back to his mom. The lady smiles and kind of like thanked me for making her kid so happy. And I went back to pumping gas. Then I hear, because her window's still down, I hear her say, did you thank the nice cowboy for letting you pet his horsey? And the kid said, it's a piggy, mama. She said, no, baby, that's a horse. He said, no, mama, that's a pig. And so the woman looks back across at me to like back her up and tell the kid, no, that's a horse. Because she thought it was a pony. And when she looks back over at me, I said, he's right, it's a pig. She said, oh my God, I got to see this. So then the door flies open and here comes mama. She came on around there. I want to pet him. I want to see him. And the kid came running back and the kid was just wide-eyed and just so happy. Can we get a pig, mama? Can we? She said, nope, uh-uh. But what hit me was, it was funny, but what hit me was that she was confused and she thought it was a little pony. And a four foot tall, 600 pound pony is not very impressive. But a four foot tall, 600 pound pig is a little more impressive. 
But when she was looking at it wrong or had wrong information or she wasn't seeing it clearly, it wasn't even enough to get her out of her seat. Fine, you go ahead and be excited and passionate, son. Go run and see that thing that the nice man has, but it didn't move her. If you don't see something for what it really is, then you can lose your wonder. You lose your awe. You lose your curiosity and your excitement. And that's what keeps us hungry and growing. And in the spirit, it doesn't matter how old we are as long as we're still growing. And we have that awe and that excitement and that passion and that wonder. And we're hungry for God. And we're hungry for the things of God. Scripture tells us that he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness, he'll be filled. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose the first love, the passion of the first love. In Matthew 18, 3, um, the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. Oh, Jesus, please settle this argument. Tell us who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom. And Jesus got a little kid and brought the little kid in the middle of him. And he said, unless you become like a little child, you'll never see the kingdom. You got to become like a kid. It's an adult that says, but first, let me save up enough money. I hear you calling Jesus, but first, I need to go do this. I, I desire to spend time with you, but first, I have this addiction. Right? I mean, it can be good or bad things. It doesn't matter. It's anything that you put first. So back to that mom. We'll wrap this thing up. Back to that mom that saved her kid when old turtle couldn't hardly get out of the chair. He didn't call himself that when he told the story. I, I nicknamed him that. Why was she so much faster than him? Because she had already made the choice. And he goes on to break that down and, and to talk about that, but that's it in a nutshell that she didn't have to make a choice in that moment. That as his mother, she had already made the choice that no matter what happened, that she would protect him, that she would do whatever it took, that it didn't matter if she had a $1,000 phone in her pocket, that there was, there was no choice to be made. The guy, even though he was a good guy and he wanted to do the right thing, there's no way around the fact that he had to still sit there and make the choice. Do I want to save that kid? Yes, I want to save that kid. Right, do, is my phone and my keys in my pocket? Uh, am I going to, how's the best way to get to, like, he's sitting there going through the choices. Even if it was quick, it causes a delayed reaction. She had already made all those choices. Her reaction came from choices that she had already made. She had already aligned her love. She had already aligned her life. 
that even if it killed her, that's okay. Because that was her baby. That was her kid. How many times do we miss God's opportunity for our lives? Because we take so much time to make decisions that should have already been made. Right? When God calls us to do something, we don't react. We don't strike while the iron's hot. We don't, we don't run after God. We don't chase after purpose. Because, we'll, oh, well, let me think about that. Let me pray about that. Let me see if I got, if everything's out of my pockets. And if it, we, we start going through our mind because we haven't already made those choices that when He calls, I go. I don't try to make sense of it. And it comes with practice. But if we've already made the choices, then when He calls, we react, we react in the right way. And we don't look back and think, what was I thinking? Well, that was dumb. Because ahead of time, we already made the right choices. Right? We already made it a must in our mind that whatever this voice says, we obey. We act. We take so much time to make decisions that should have already been made that we miss God's purpose for our life. Remember, purpose doesn't have a parking spot. Your purpose doesn't just pull in and sit and wait on you. We see it all throughout Scripture. Remember Elijah? He walked by Elisha and he threw his mantle on him and then he just kept on walking. And in that moment, he had to make a decision and, and we know that he killed the oxen, busted up the plows and he burned it so that he could never go back and he chased after him. It was God's purpose for his life and he would become the most powerful prophet that Israel had known up to that point. But guess what? He had to chase it. Elijah didn't say, hey man, I'm going to be over here camping out, so when you get done plowing, if you want to talk about purpose and ministry, come on down to the camp. No. Just like Jesus did with the disciples. Hey, come follow me. And then Jesus kept on walking. You coming or not? Well, let me go um, tend to the family business and wait on my inheritance. and do. But first, let me do it. Jesus said, all right, bye. Purpose doesn't have a parking spot. But first, Daniel didn't choose to pray powerful prayers when he found himself in the lion's den. Uh-oh, better get a prayer life. No. Well, he, had ar- he was already in alignment. He had already put God first so that when he was thrown into the lion's den, he wasn't even scared, even though it looked pretty bad. That wasn't the first time he ever prayed. Mm-mm. You do what you can do. David didn't learn how to use a sling the day he saw Goliath. Whew, I need a weapon. Let me learn how to use this thing. No. He was already good. Why? Because he did what he could. The most important decisions of your life 
You need to make them before you're in the moment. You need to go ahead and make those decisions before you get in a moment of trauma, before you get in a moment of in the middle of the storm. That's not when you make big decisions. When your adrenaline's pumping and most of your brain is shut down. That's not when you make decisions. You make those decisions before so that when you're in the middle of it, your reaction is right. You need to make choices that change your internal world, that shape your character so that your character can inform your conscious choices. Why? So that when God speaks, you're responding without hesitation. When you hear God's voice, you respond without hesitation, without a thought. Obedience becomes your reaction to His voice every time. How? Practice. <laughs> make those choices. Make those decisions. And every time you do it, it gets easier because you can look back and see that every time you did it in the past, it wasn't a what was I thinking moment. You can see how he used it and how he worked it out and that he was with you in the fire whether you could see it in the moment or not. And so the more you do it, the more you trust him, and the more you see Him, and the easier it is to do it. That's how it works. That's how you grow. That's how you become spiritually mature. That's how you become more powerful in the Spirit. That's how you pray powerful prayers. That's how you, you open up the Word. And have you ever looked at somebody that's seen them just open up and read a little bit of Bible verse and get some awesome revelation? And you're like, man, dang, I wish I could do that. I'll open up my Bible and read. And a lot of times it's just like, boring God where are you at just being real that's how you do it more and more and more proper alignment putting him first obedience becomes your reaction to his voice How many times have you been upset or frustrated with God because He didn't pick you? Right? Or things didn't work out like you thought. Or, God, I thought I would be in the ministry by now. God, I thought I would, you know, pray for the sick and they would be healed by now. Or, God, I thought that, that my marriage would be better than this. Or, God, I thought that you fill in the blank. But I'm sure we've all been upset or frustrated with God before for different reasons. How about because he used someone else? When you thought he should use you or he did something amazing in her life, but where you at in mine? Have you ever looked at someone else's life and thought, why doesn't God do that in my life? Well, that's really cool and powerful. I see God moving in your life, but why ain't He moving in my life? 
That's awesome. I see that, that God's given you these great words, but why ain't he giving them to me? You ever been there? You ever felt that? I have. Is it possible that God has given you the same opportunity as them? But you've just been, you've just been saying, yeah, but first. I hear you, God, but first I need to take care of this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, spend 20 minutes in the Word every morning. Yeah, I hear you, but first I need to check the news. And the second stimulus package update. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is, you're, you're putting first. I don't know. That was a word of knowledge. <laughs> but first, I need to check on this, and then I'll, I'll read my Bible later. Oh, God, yeah, I hear you. You said that I needed to um, um, take that homeless person a little bit of food, but first, I need to take care of this or that. Is it possible that God's giving you the same opportunities as the people that you are jealous of? But your butt first is in the way. <laughs> Take that how you will. And the person that you're jealous of immediately says yes. Ooh, pick me, pick me. Here am I, Lord, send me. Go over there. Why does God keep using him? Because he keeps obeying. He jumps every time God says something. He's the first one there. Every time a kid falls in the pool, he's the first one to dive in. That's why he got used. That's why he's the hero. It's not because he's more talented than you. It's not because she's a better person than you. It's just because they reacted to the voice. When David, when David was picking his leaders... Um, I'm going to read you one verse and we're done. When David was picking his leaders, 1 Chronicles 11.6. Check this out. David's savage. When David was picking his leaders, let me, let me just read it to you. This was a really strategic way to pick who would be the leader of your army. Okay. And David said, Whosoever smiteth the Jebusites first shall be the chief and captain. So Joab, the son of Zeruah, went up first, and he was the chief. Hold up, David. You're trying to pick the chief and the captain of all your men, and here's what you said. Okay, there's the enemy over there. They're real tough and scary. First one to attack, to attack them and kill them, you get to be the captain. On your mark, get set, go. Out of all David's men standing there, Joab took off. <laughs> so was David looking for a psycho? David looking for a maniac? You can go read about Joab. He was a pretty bad boy. Pretty tough dude. Commander of David's army. But how do you choose leaders? How does God choose who will lead or 
who will have power in the kingdom? This, the discussion that the disciples were having. Right? How does God choose who he will work through in a powerful way? I think David, a.k.a. the man after God's own heart, he gives us some insight in that verse that we just read. Instead of checking resumes or seeing, like, who's the tallest one out here? Okay, maybe you could be my commander. Who's the strongest? Okay, we're going to have a wrestling tournament to see who's good on the ground. Like, Okay, whose father was a commander so you'd be a good leader? Like, there's all different ways that we would choose a leader. Let's have a vote. See who the men respect. All, I mean, there's a lot of good ways David could have chosen a leader nope that's not what he did he said whoever steps up first and leads the attack everyone has the opportunity can a man change his stars yep sure can David says yes I don't care if you're from royal blood. I don't care if you're qualified. First one, you get to lead. You can change the world. You can be a part of something bigger than yourself. So maybe you're wondering, God, what do I need to do? My life, God, God what is it that I need to do? God's saying, step up first. React. And with proper alignment, your reactions will become responses. You've already made those choices. You've already prayed about it. You already made the choices before the battle. The problem is that every time God calls you into a new future, into a new life, to change the world or to bless somebody you say yes God I would love that but first I got this yeah yeah God I, I would love to give in that offering but first let me get my finances straightened out yeah God I would love to give you time but first let me figure this like First, let me go bury my dad. God says, will you put me first? What's yours? If you put God first, you will find not only that your life will realign to God's intention. you will feel like God is constantly choosing you. Those feelings of God, why don't you pick me? <laughs> They're going to go away, I promise you. I'm telling you this from experience. You'll feel like God's picking you every time. My God, I'm the first pick every time. I'm not even that good at kickball. But he's picking me every time. It's not that God is choosing you above someone else. 
It's just the fact that you keep stepping up first. When he says, hey, I need somebody. Remember when Jesus told the story about the wedding feast and he ends it with few are called, but many are chosen. Well, you know who was chosen? The ones that came. The ones that obeyed. You choose to step up. When God calls, you come. You sit at the table. It's not that you're better than somebody else. You just keep stepping up and putting them first. When someone needs saving, you're the first one in the pool. And every day you align your heart. And every day you align your finances. And every day you align your mind. And every day you align your time by putting first things first. In every area of your life, we talk about time, talents, and treasures. And in my life, every single day, I evaluate. Am I putting him first with my time? Am I putting him first with, with my treasures, my talent, the, my money, the things, everything that God's given me? Am I putting him first? Before long, you look at your life. And you realize that you have become a conduit that supplies his kingdom to the earth. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, I pray thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You know how his kingdom comes? Through you. That's how his kingdom comes to your world and to the earth. You're the conduit. And that's how God uses you to change the world. That's how you create the future that God has for you. Every day, check your alignment. You check your heart. You make those decisions. Let's pray. Hey, Dad, it's us, your kids. Thanks for speaking to us. Thanks for reminding us to come back to our first love. God, restore the passion that has been lost in some of our lives. God, help us to obey you and that ob help obedience to become our reaction to your voice. God, we love you. We thank you for growing us up. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.